0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are listening to Family Caregivers
1: Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers
2: Unite. Welcome to episode 284 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Adler, your host. I'm a physician retired from medical practice. Our topic today is One Kenton Alzheimer's Center of Excellence. Now Alzheimer's disease is a brain disease that can't be stopped, reversed or cured. It's not a normal part of aging, though it's increasingly likely to affect people as they age. In its early stages, it's difficult to differentiate from a condition uh, called mild cognitive impairment which is considered a border zone between the expected effects of aging on memory and the serious effects of Alzheimer's disease on pretty well everything. Now, Alzheimer's disease destroys memory and thinking. It slowly destroys the ability to recognize even members of the person's own family. It slowly destroys the ability to carry out the simplest of tasks. And it slowly destroys the ability to communicate. So someone with who's well down the road of Alzheimer's disease, may not be able to communicate that they have, let's say, a painful sore in their mouth. Instead, they become aggressive or even violent, which is why our topic, One Kenton Alzheimer's Center of Excellence, is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Isaac Weinroth. Now, Isaac is the executive director of One Kenton Retirement Residence, Um, He's made it his personal mission to put tender loving care into long term care and he's had that mission since the age of 13 when he first began volunteering at a renowned geriatric health centre of excellence. He brings with him exceptional skills and passion for serving the needs of seniors as well as more than 23 years of combined experience in gerontology and long-term care, mental health and developmental services. He holds a Master's of Health Sciences in Administration from the University of Toronto as well as a combined honours Bachelor of Arts degree in Gerontology and Economics with a minor in Religious Studies from McMaster University. So welcome to the show, Isaac. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Great. First question for you. Please tell us more about your life, your career and your involvement with caregiving and maybe even family caregiving.
3: Isaac? So yes, as you, uh, as you mentioned, um, it does go pretty far back. I started volunteering with seniors when I was 13 and that sort of set my path in life as, as it were. Um, worked in, in the summers and then during throughout school um, and as I got older, both with volunteer work but also with uh, employed work, uh, worked in various nursing homes and group homes. And, as you referenced, worked with people both with um, seniors with cognitive disabilities, but as well as adults of different ages, and including youth uh, with cognitive disabilities, um, developmental disabilities, and uh, individuals with mental health um, issues as well so I sort of got a sort of a full-rounded understanding of of not only um, sort of the the physical symptoms of some of these diseases and illnesses, but also the actual care needs of these individuals and and what people uh, going through the illnesses and and suffering from diseases such as Alzheimer's uh, really require to really meet their needs.
2: Now, I'm going to ask you uh, about the 1 Kenton Alzheimer's Center of Excellence, but I have a Preliminary question: The one is spelt O N E Kenton. Please explain that name to us. So um,
3: it, it's a bit of a, a visual play as well. And uh, so one is actually one Kenton is actually the address of the home itself. And I'll, I'll go into a little bit more details about the home. But the home itself was actually um, sits on land that was donated to B'nai B'rith Canada, who was the is the organization who actually uh, was responsible for building the residence. And, uh, and it is located at One Kenton, but what we've actually done with the name is we've turned the, the, the One Kenton into our logo. And uh, for people um, who do go online to, to look at our website or look at any of our material, the one is actually, the O in the, in the one is actually, the logo has a heart uh, representing the, the O, which actually is sort of the the focus, putting, you know, putting the care, putting the heart into everything we do. So One Kenton, when you, when you see it ret, uh, written out, um, you know the, the heart is the center of everything we do.
2: Right. Now, when actually was it established and why was it created and how far along are you with its development? Isaac? Yep. Yeah, so, One Kenton, the, the concept um, of One Kenton
3: goes back a, a number of years to the mid 2000s actually, when, when a group of individuals associated with Bay took a look around and saw that there really wasn't um, a center. Uh, dedicated to the to the needs of those individuals with Alzheimer's or dementia, there really wasn't anything that was, was suited to, specifically to their care needs. Sure, there were some um, other institutions that had maybe a wing or a floor or maybe a small section uh, for dementia care or for Alzheimer's care, but not something devoted specifically um, to Alzheimer's care. So in the, in the mid-2000s, um, they sort of put the, the planning together and uh, it was a long process through uh, stages of development and redevelopment. Actually, Kenton itself um, grew, doubled in size from a 27-person uh, home to what it is today, which is 45 people. And um, it opened just recently in December, December 9th of 2013. So, but we are, are fully open now, and uh, the, the first individuals have um, since moved in and are being provided with, with uh, the highest level of Alzheimer's dementia
2: care so you 're in business,
3: We are doors are open. Right. right,
2: Isaac. now please highlight for us the the work of the center, and tell us about any collaboration you have with other organizations that also focus on alzheimer 's disease. So one Kenton,
3: as you mentioned, is a center of excellence, and really that was established um, based on the partnership between Bennebrath, Canada. And the Ivy International Center for health innovation and they 're based in the University of Western in london ontario in canada and um Their role is actually, and we'll speak about it, um, but their role is is to bring in some new innovative technologies, new innovative care models, and their focus is, just as with NABRITH, improving the lives of people, their their, um, mandate and their focus in this particular case is to improve the lives of people with Alzheimer's and dementia, bringing in new ways of providing care to them that would not be available any other way than through this partnership.
2: Would you go so far as to say that that's research that you're actually involved with through the IV organization?
3: It is, a, it is certainly research, um, and, and, but it's research with the focus to learn about uh, the care uh, for individuals with Alzheimer's and dementia, uh, make improvements, and then take what we've learned and, and expand it and teach other organizations and other agencies and to, to basically take our learning and help them to improve the, uh, the care for people with Alzheimer's, um, sort of worldwide even.
2: I, I ask you that question, and I'm going to put, put a point to you just to see what you think. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interest in research, obviously, in finding cures for mm-hmm. these um, conditions, you know, that are uh, troubles so troublesome and are currently incurable, but at the same time, there's also questions of care of the individuals with these conditions because very often their health, you know, their physical health can be managed um, and so they live with these conditions and therefore the question of the care they need, uh, it seems to me, and I think it seems to other people as well, is becoming more and more important. So is your emphasis on care in the way you've just described it, your innovations in care, part of that movement, would you say?
3: Yes so we are we are we, our focus number one is is the person we we certainly are bringing in technology and we certainly are bringing in in a, a research component but bottom line is is the person per, the person who 's afflicted with the disease uh, the families who are helping uh, the person deal with the disease we look at that, at the person the families we we sort of have a a, a team approach to everything and where um, anybody who and everybody who 's connected with that individual becomes sort of part of our um, and part of the people that we're trying to help. So, yes, we are looking at the, the care needs of the individuals. We, we don't think that we can um, cure the disease. At the, at the point where people are coming to us, they already have Alzheimer's, they already have dementia. What we're trying to do is improve their lives, let them live longer with, with, with the, 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 the disease, but let them live in a more productive, more meaningful way so that they can con- continue to engage in life and, and continue to be you know, participate in life, not, not as, a, as, a, as a place just to come, um, at Kenton. Kenton really is the place for them to continue life, to continue living, to continue participating just like you and I would be at our own homes. Kenton becomes their own home and they, they live life like, like they would at their own home.
2: Would you go so far as to use the, the phrase quality of life to de- describe at least one of the purposes or maybe the overall purpose of what you're trying to achieve for the people who are staying with you? Isaac.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So we're we're looking at quality of life. We're looking at giving people dignified life, dignity, independence, um, respect. I mean, those will be the the, the key things. And again, of course, um, loving care too. You know, it, it's not just about making sure people are, are you know have good food to eat and uh, you know are active. It's it's about really giving them meaning giving them purpose, and and participating in their life. And, and, uh, you know, I said, really recognizing the person behind the disease, not just seeing the disease and the symptoms, but really trying to get to know the person. I mean, maybe they're 83 now, and and they have uh, mid- to to moderate-stage Alzheimer's, but they weren't 83 with mid- to moderate Alzheimer's all the time. You know, they were, uh, you know, a 25-year-old starting out with a career. They were 30 raising a family. You know, they were a 15-year-old, you know, Getting together with her friends, and we really want to we want to identify that person behind the the illness and behind the disease and get to know them and then provide for them what what they need to to have that meaningful life
2: and part of that meaningful life and this is a question presumably involves recalling as much as possible of the previous life as a way of understanding or what was going. Part of their life before, and also a way of bringing pleasure to their current quality of life. Just briefly, is that right? Yeah, a- absolutely. So, so we
3: do. We want to know what what the person was engaged in uh, beforehand, uh, before before being, um, you know, suffering Alzheimer's or dementia. And this is also where the family comes. Uh, to be a very important part so that we can get a good understanding of what that person was like, um, you know, prior to the disease. And also, when we look at providing for activities and programs and services, also we want to we provide for things that they recognize that are meaningful to them, that, that they understand. So, for instance, if somebody, you know, had a financial background um, all their life and, you know, worked, uh, you know, as an accountant, for instance, when we look for programs and services, we're going to do things that, that they recognize. We'll, we'll use numbers. We'll, we'll use the type of things that they would have been exposed to and, and, and understand and, and remember. Um, you know, if somebody uh, spent their life, um, you know, working with 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 their hands, for instance, maybe they were a carpenter. We'll get them engaged and active in that kind of program. Things that, again, things that are come come naturally to them. Things that they remember and recall. Things that aren't foreign. We're not going to try and try and recreate things and and, and have have the person. Sort of who is already potentially confused, be even more confused in terms of you know, not an understanding what it is that we're presenting with them. We really want to try and, and, and capture what it is that they understand and know and develop the skills and strengthen the skills based on what it is that they have likes and interests in to begin with.
2: Right now we've come to the point where we have to do something which is to take the break this is where I say we need to pay our rent so we're going to do that now this is Dr. Gordon Adderley and my guest is Isaac Weinroth you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio please stay with us, we're coming back
4: Living your best life isn't just about fitness and health. It's also about living a better life emotionally and creating balance. You know where you want to be, but what steps do you take to get there? Listen to Good Health for a Great Life with host Rick Barnabo. We'll bring you guest experts and tools to help you connect the dots from who and where you are to who and where you want to be. It's time to take responsibility for your life. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, but how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris. Real talk on business and parenthood hosted by Chris FSU. Chris is the portrait of the success story, coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses, while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Isaac Weinroth. Our topic is One Kenton Alzheimer's Center of Excellence. Um, Isaac, now let's talk about the challenges created by Alzheimer's disease for people diagnosed with it, for the treatment and care services they need, and for their family caregivers. So let's start off with, well, what's, in your, what's your impression of the greatest of the challenges created for people diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease? I would say
3: it's it's helping the people with the the anxiety and uncertainty uh, cra- created by by the disease. We at One Kenton are um, are looking to serve people at the earlier stages to uh, to mid stages, and as well as the moderate. But uh, because we're looking to put improvements uh, in place early on, uh, really trying to focus on people who, who we can put those those care um, um, supports in place early on to help them in the longer term. So these are individuals who, um, you know. Know that something 's happening to them still they 're aware that they, they themselves are, are confused um, and, and challenged with with you know finding the right words and and having things make sense to them so it 's really about providing them the support and the comfort that they need to to lower the level of anxiety um, oftentimes, some of the behaviors that comes out is due to not because they're they're you know trying to purposely uh, be be agitated or aggressive or anything like that and and uh, for that point um the uh, the aggressiveness that some people with Alzheimer's do exhibit is not the majority, um, and it's often a, a result of them trying to express themselves in, in the only way that they have left to express themselves. So we really want to try and help these individuals um, be able to express themselves, be able to, uh, as I said, give support to their to their anxieties, to to help them through the process because it's, it's a progressive illness, a progressive disease, and and the sort of the the, the more it progresses, you know, the, the more confused and the more challenges. Um, they face. It's, it's really about providing that comfort to them.
2: Would you like to care to mention any other challenges that perhaps aren't quite so challenging as the ones that you've talked about, but the other challenges that you would think about yeah. that these so, people experience?
3: So maintaining uh, social
2: connections also
3: as well. Um, the individuals living at Kenton are, are at the point where they do need extra support. It's, it's not a viable option for them to continue living in their own homes. Um, so one of the challenges is again to, to maintain family contact, to maintain social contact, and. Even just to, to maintain contact with, with, again, life in general in terms of at, at Kenton, um, people aren't sort of closed in. And in fact, um, although you can't see the, 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 the building, um, you know, we have big windows everywhere. So, you know, regardless of where you are, you feel connected to the outside. And we also encourage people to, to continue moving and, and, and going outside and going to concerts and going to dinners. And we also very much encourage the families to come in to, to continue to, to have that um, social connection with them
2: couldn't be more difficult, different from the difficult situation, shall we say, in an institution. I don't want to go into any detail about what I mean by that, but I think we all recognize that some of the institutions in the past weren't at all like the way you've described one, Kenton. Now, I want to ask you, what what do you consider to be the greatest challenges created for treatment and care services that you provide or are provided for people diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease? What are those?
3: And and I alluded to some of them, but number one, the the access to services and the access to quality services. I mean, oftentimes, um, if you're looking for any type of services uh, for people with dementia or Alzheimer's, it's either very clinical and very medical-based, or it's very few and far between if if you 're looking at more of a of a home um for individuals with alzheimer's or, or or dementia, so one of the greatest challenges is just getting the services that the person needs and getting it in a timely fashion and then once you've acquired it again making sure that those those care needs are met in the way that that person wants um oftentimes you 're sort of just given sort of a, a preset package of services and and this is what you get, and this is all you get um whereas you know at kenton we're re- we really we really um mold the services around the individual. We don't come with a sort of a preset, um, you know, predetermined package. It's, it's really based on each individual's needs. And that, again, that is something that really is lacking overall in, in Alzheimer's and dementia care. And I would say even, even more just in, in sort of medical care in general, really um, the focus on each individual and not just seeing everybody as a patient. In fact, at Kenton, again, we don't refer to, to people as patients because they're not. They're people, they're human beings, and, and that's yes. sort of how we go about providing our care.
2: Yeah. Let me just ask you a little bit more about this question of the availability of treatment and care services. Is the treatment that you provide all provided by staff um, who are full-time or more or less full-time with the center, or do you have people coming in, specialists coming in to provide care? How does it work?
3: So, our staff member, we have a, a full range of support and services. We have, so basically, the way we're structured is we have a, a direct, in addition to myself as the executive director, we have a director of care who oversees all the nursing and support services within One Kenton. We have registered staffing who who would be, um, you know, overseeing the the more the more medical, the more nursing side of care. And then we also have personal support staff who would help people with meals, help people uh, with prompts if they need help with dressing, help people with bathing and, and the such. And we also have activities and program staff who are there to to provide for activities and programs and social interaction. We also have a whole dietary department to, who are there to, to make sure that the, all, the, all the meals and food are, are those um, adequate to the, the people's nutritional needs. And, and for that matter, the food is all home-cooked. It's not, not stuff brought in and frozen and, and reheated. It's, it's all cooked. Again, it's a full kitchen, and, and it's cooked right there on the spot. So we also work with a, a medical director who's there on a regular basis. So between, between all the different um, care staff. Um, we have a lot of it covered and then we can also access outside services as we need to. So for instance physiotherapy service, um, occupational therapy, any sort of speech language pathology services, um, any of those extra services we, we bring in um, or for that matter the person can access outside as well. Um, people who are at Kenton, they're either free to use our services or free to continue using the, the individuals that they were using or a combination of both. So. Um, We have sort of full access to a whole range range of programs and services for for the individuals at Canton.
2: And in the way you've just described the range of services, what you're also describing are the challenges that um, occur in provision of treatment in the sense that you've addressed those challenges and the way you've described them and this is very impressive, is there's a wide range of challenges, but because of the way in which you're organized, you're able to address those challenges in such a way that the the addressing of the challenges becomes the normal part of treatment and care. Is that right?
3: Yes, that's right. I mean, again, and the focus, although we do offer... The full range of treatment and services, that's, again, by no means is it sort of a, a medical model at all. I mean, obviously, people do need access to physicians and physiotherapy and speech-language pathology, but that's sort of a, a almost of a, a side nature to, to what people... Um, receive at Kenton. It, it's it's again the programs, the activities, the social interaction, the stimulation, the, the you know the cognitive um, workout that people are, into, are are receiving, and then sort of uh, in the in the, the background is all the the medical care and the the medical supports and services that they're receiving. So they receive that 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 whole package, but without again with without a medical. Um, it, it's not medical, it's not institutional. It's, it, it's a home. So, you know, you and I, we all have uh, appointments here and there. We go see doctors here and there, but that's not the focus of our lives. And neither is it the people who who are at Kenton who, with Alzheimer's or dementia. We don't make them the medical the focus. We certainly pro- provide that support. But again, just like you and I, it's, it's not the, the main focus of our lives from any, on any given day. Right.
2: Now, let's please tell us about the greatest challenges created for the family caregivers of people diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. I think.
3: So, number one, just time commitments, uh, emotional commitments. When we have family members now, uh, we, we again have people of different age ranges. But, you know, we, we have, for instance... Um, a family member who you know in in their early 90s being cared for uh by another family family member who's in her late 80s so you know they and this is what what they've been doing for a long time in the in the sort of the emotional burden um is certainly and and just the physical burden is certainly taking its its effect so one of the greatest challenges for family caregivers is in that that sort of emotional burnout um uh physical burnout for that matter and, and again, not knowing necessarily where to, where to turn for support, um, and also trying to take on too much because, again, it is their family members, and, and, and I fully understand. You know, if I'm needing any type of, of care for my own family member, you know, you only want the best. You 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 truly believe that you're the only one who can provide it, and I understand where people are coming from. So, but one of the challenges is is to. Help um, the the families connected with the individuals with Alzheimer's and dementia um, realize that the support staff at Kenton are are there, pretty much for, with the same goals and, and and the same mindset as the family members coming in. That we're going to treat their their family members just as if we they were our own family members. And you know we we're, we're not going to do anything that we wouldn't want done to ourselves. And and um, you know just the, the respect and the dignity that we want to give to to my own mother or father is the type of of dignity and respect that the people at Canton are going to receive by our staff.
2: That's a very high high standard. And it also reads into something else, and that is that, and I'm sure you've come across this, that sometimes family caregivers, however hard they try to deliver care, feel guilty that they're not doing enough. And that causes that exhaustion, and, that, um, and sometimes there's feelings of guilt, and sometimes people uh, almost going into depression about the situation. Now, it seems to me then that one of the ways in which you're helping family caregivers is to avoid them getting into those situations where the Family caregiving has become dominant to the point of exhaustion. Just quickly, is that right? Have I got that right? Yep, yep.
3: So we and we for that matter we invite the, the families into Kenton. I mean there's no visiting hours. People come and visit their family member whenever they want. If they want to come at three in the afternoon they can come. If they wanna come at three in the morning they can come. And and we welcome them and we want basically we want them to come and have a relaxing experience and a relaxing time. We're, we're, we're there. We're being paid. We're there to, to you know, provide the care. The family, when they come, don't have to worry about the, the, the caregiving burden. They can come. They can be with their family member and relax and enjoy the time they have with each other.
2: Right. Excellent. Now, this is the moment where we have to take our break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Natalie, and my guest is Isaac Weinroth. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back.
1: Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about.
0: Want to help make our world a better place but not sure where to start? Tune into Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety.
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to doc G at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Isaac Weinroth. Our topic is One Kenton Alzheimer's Centre of Excellence. Uh, Isaac, now let's talk about the ways in which Kenton, as you call it, One Kenton Alzheimer's Centre of Excellence, responds to challenges created by Alzheimer's disease, you know, for the people diagnosed diagnosed with it for the treatment and care they need and for their family caregivers. Now, you've already said quite a lot about that, but I want you to go in rather more detail about it. So let's talk about, first of all, the ways in which the center cares for and provides treatment for individuals in its care who are diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease at the various stages of the disease. Isaac?
3: Sure. So um, we use a, what we call a one-care approach, and essentially um, sort of beyond the, the name itself, what, what that essentially means is that each individual has a care team surrounding them, so for any given day, um, you know, the, the nursing staff would, would have a care plan that they would be looking at, the programs and activity staff would have a care plan that they would be looking at, the, the, the nutritional uh, requirements would be looked at by our dietary services, and that team actually works together and, and multidisciplinary so that, um, for instance, the, the individual who's on, on, on duty that day for housekeeping and laundry, um, their background is, is li- very likely actually... A, a personal support background where, uh, yes, they may be um, working on housekeeping and laundry at any given moment, but they're fully qualified to also assist with uh, the bathing and, and, and helping somebody with meals and dressing. Um, likewise, our nursing staff, we, we've handpicked people literally uh, for their, their background and experience. So, your, your nursing staff, you know, when she's not uh, providing you with, with uh, you know, any medication, for instance, that you require, she's probably running a, a whole activity and program with you um, because in her background... Um, or his background, for that matter, uh, and, and we can we can speak with that as well. But his uh, his or her background also probably has an activity programs or physiotherapy background. Um, and I just alluded to that him and her. One of the things with Kenton again is, is uh, you know um, oftentimes in sort of the healthcare field and, and, and caregiving itself, and I, I don't think it's a, a stereotypical comment, but it often falls on, onto um, onto women. Uh, providing the care, um, whether it be nursing staff or personal support staff. One of the things at Kenton is, is we, we look for both male and, and female staff members. And again, each, each sort of brings something different to, to the care and uh, can provide care, again, to the, the male individuals who maybe uh, require a, a male staff or to the, the female um, individuals who require a female staff. Um, one of the things with Kenton is there is a, a religious uh, component. Um, it is a, a Jewish-focused home. Now, you don't need to necessarily be Jewish to, to live in Kenton and anybody is certainly welcome, uh, but we do have uh, some more orthodox individuals who, who do live in Kenton and, for instance, um, orthodox men uh, may prefer to, to be, have their care needs addressed by a, a male staff, and that orthodox women, likewise, would, would um, often would, would, would want and require their care needs to be addressed by a, a female staff member. So, we're able to really cater literally to each person's individual needs and wishes and, and wants and likes, and, and we do that based on uh, the, sort of our whole model of care.
2: Right. Now, please tell us about the innovations and research that the center undertakes. What are your points of main points of focus, particularly within the care that you described before? Please tell us about those.
3: So we're looking at using adaptive technologies and, and bringing it in and integrating it into the care that's already being provided. So it's not sort of something separate. It's already sort of woven in. Um, so, for instance, um, we have to practice good uh, infection control Uh, practices. But instead of just sort of, um, you know, you go, you wash your hands, what we've done is we're bringing in technologies such as hand sanitizers that can uh, sense if you've used them or not. And if you walk by, it will beep or prompt you to use them. And once you've used it, it recognizes that you've used it and it won't signal you to use it again until you've sort of left the area and come back into the next area. Um, Other things, looking at the use of, of robots who can literally prompt you through and guide you through the stages of of completing a daily living skill. So, for instance, uh, making a cup of tea. Uh, An individual with Alzheimer's may not be able to remember each of the steps. They may remember what to do in each stage, but not remember how to put the different steps together. So, we actually will have a, a, a little mini robot that can sit there in the corner just sort of unobtrusively and it will recognize somebody's coming to to do something like make a cup of tea and it will walk them through the steps. It will say, you know, now find the sugar, now pick up the spoon, now boil the water. You know, it will really be able to, to help the individual continue uh, being being able to perform those tasks on their own um, other things we're looking at doing, for instance, is, is using technology that can look for any changes in body mechanics or body movement as a way to look for any progression of disease or, or look for anything underlying that may be causing it um, so that early on, rather than waiting till something's sort of right there and, and, and clear, we'd we'll be able to, to see it coming um, early on and again address it early on. So, we're really looking at those kind of innovations, and again, that's part of the Ivy Center uh, for Health Innovation. Those are some of the, the, the partners, the industry partners that they are working with to bring in these new technologies and the, these new models. Um, there's some really exciting projects that they're working on, really um, just innovative projects that really, again, haven't been used in, in, this, in this setting, haven't been used um, certainly within the, the dementia care and Alzheimer's care um, group. Um, and we're looking to, to put them into practice and see what kind of amazing things we can, we can uh, um, help these individuals uh, continue to do by, by just putting in some technologies that currently exist.
2: Just a quick uh, extra point to draw out from you, please. How do um, the residents with Alzheimer's disease respond to the robots, so to speak? What's the reaction to it?
3: Um, so, so the robot is a. It hasn't been implemented in in our home yet. However, it is uh, currently being implemented in a sort of a more of a lab setting. Um, but again, with with individuals, and the thing is, it's, it's about it, it's about using using the visual cues and, and using the auditory cues, um, but in a, a sort of a, a non-invasive manner. So, you know, instead of, for instance instead of having a, a caregiver standing right there beside them uh, you know directing them each step you know it, it's a lot it's actually more comfortable to to have um, um this sort of um, robot for for lack of a better term being there where the person can feel independent um you know similar to um we can have uh, monitors and screens um an individual's room. So if they're trying to get dressed, for instance, you don't need a caregiver to stand there while somebody's trying to get changed to direct to direct them how to get changed. Instead there'll be prompts um, displayed on, on, on the screen or, or voice prompts or again whatever the individual responds best to to really help the individual Continue with, with with life. So um, certainly, some individuals are, will be more able to to uh, sort of accept it and adapt to it, and, and that's great. But it's really to to help ultimately to help that individual um, be as independent as possible without the need for that secondary staff. Um, because again, you know, would would I like somebody standing right there beside me, constantly telling me what to do, what to do, what to do? No, I you know I'd rather if there's some sort of technology that I can use instead to prompt me without having um, to have somebody there standing right by, by my side, I'd much rather prefer that.
2: Right. So the technology is really part of the service, isn't it?
3: Yes, absolutely. It's all integrated, and again, it's not—it's not separate. And, and for that matter, these are all—all all activities and 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 all things that need to be done anyways. We're just looking to do it in a different way, in a, in a better way, in a way that again is is more um, inducive to the to the person's life and their sort of the natural you know course of the day.
2: Right. Now, please tell us about the ways in which the centre supports the family caregivers, um, for whom you're providing care. What are the ways in which you support the family caregivers?
3: So families are going to become part of the care, part of the support network. Um, Again, they're encouraged to be active, encouraged to participate. Um, You know, we we don't. uh, some, Some places, you know, the there's complaints. Oh here comes here comes that uh, that sister again coming into the to their home. No, we, we want people to come in. We want to be able to talk to them. We want them to talk to us. Um you know we're we're a smaller home, only only forty five people. So there's no sort of layers of, of bureaucracy. Um you know anyone can come I was going to say knocking at my door but my door is open. They don't even have to knock. They just come in and you know walk in and, and, and talk to me. Um you know with only with only forty five people and a and a core staff team of you know five, six you know we can literally have um conversations with each family member every day if that's what they want, so it, it, we we again we see them as part of the team almost um, and and not separate to to not separate to the team and not separate to the individual
2: If I could just address another question to you, sometimes I hear from family caregivers who have family members, not necessarily with Alzheimer's but with mental health conditions they don't. Always find that they're getting the communications that they need from the healthcare providers in the system. Perhaps the healthcare providers, the doctors, are too busy, or perhaps there's some uh, some rule that uh, inhibits communication of that sort. Is it right to say that you have overcome that problem uh, and that communications are as free and open as is your office door, Isaac?
3: Absolutely. And I mean, communication is, the, you know, the very way that we find out about the individual and the very way that, the, you know, the family becomes comfortable with with without well, providing care for their family members, um, you know, without communication, that sort of a, that becomes a barrier without communication. And the, the bar- barrier is the last thing we're trying to, to, put, to put up. We're trying to break down the barriers, uh, break down any of the stigmas, break down um, any of the reluctance that the, that the family has with, with uh, having their family member come to, to live at Kenton or in any other home. Um, you know, and I, d- I do hear from families that, you know, oh, they're, they're surprised when they call me and and, uh, and I answer their phone. They're like, oh, I was expecting to, you know, get uh, the, the friend. Desk or oh, I didn't think you were going to answer. And I said, oh, I you know you call me, I answer. And for that matter, I you know I, you, if you call me and leave you, leave me a message, I'll, I'll be calling you back right away. It's 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 just that 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 you know Canton itself becomes a family and becomes you know a family home.
2: And that also addresses um, a problem that I raised with you before, and that is sometimes families feel guilty about putting their relatives in care rather than having them live at home. What you're doing, it seems to me, uh, is providing a home in which the family caregiver belongs as well as the person who's being cared for. Is that right? Yeah,
3: absolutely. As, as I said, the, the, the family member you know, is just as much as, as, a, as a person who's, who needs support and requires support and also can, can play the role in, in the overall support of the individual with, with uh, Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, that family member, again, really, you know, as much as we focus on, on, on the individual living at Kenton, we're probably just as focused uh, on the, on the family members of those individuals.
2: Right. I'm just going to ask you a very, very quick question. I'm assuming that you're tracking um, all of the changes or all of the adaptations that all of these innovations are producing. And will you be writing it up? Will you be writing up research papers as a result of all of this?
3: Yes. Yeah, so the, uh, the, IV, uh, the IV research team um, will actually have uh, staff members um, currently, they'll have them in place. Um, on site. So um, the, 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 sort of the, the research and the, the different technologies that will be in place, um, the results and, and uh, you know, how they're impacting the lives of, of our individuals, that will all be monitored and, and all be tracked. And, um, and uh, you know, information is put into our own uh, computerized system in terms of our, our daily care planning, but also the IV staff certainly would be uh, you know, looking at their research and, and their, um, their data to you know, see exactly what the results are
2: right now it's again unfortunately time for the break so we'll take that now this is dr gordon and my guest is isaac weinroth you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice america variety and empowerment channels and cjmp 90.1 fm community radio please stay with us we will be back
4: Are you a homeowner or hope to be one? Looking for the best deal or a stress-free sale? Tune in to House Talk and keep from making a costly mistake. Host Duncan Smythe will guide you through the painstaking and maybe profitable real estate process, giving you tips on everything from listing and staging to negotiating and home inspections. Overwhelming? It doesn't have to be. Let House Talk help you. Tune in Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Wellness Network.
0: The Mayan Calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network.
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to Doc g at Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Isaac Weinroth. Our topic is One Kenton Alzheimer's Center of Excellence. Um, Isaac, it's now January 2014 as we speak. Let's talk about the things you plan to have achieved, and you and your organization uh, plan to have achieved by January 2015. So, first of all, please tell us about the things you plan to achieve by January 2015 in the care and treatment you provide for individuals with Alzheimer's disease. Isaac? So, um, one of the things, that, you know, we're in, the,
3: in the short time that we've had individuals um, at Kenton, uh, we've already seen improvements and, and families have already com- commented on the change they've seen in their family members. But I think one of the things that we're looking to do is, is again, take a look at where the individual was um, when they first moved in, for instance, in, in December, and uh, over the course of the next year, look at where they are and look at the improvements that they, they will have made uh, by, by the following year, by January 2015. Um, so that, that's sort of one of the main things we're looking at. And, the, and those are things that you see day to day. You, you really do see the change. You really do see the impact and the improvement uh, that one Kenton is making in the lives of, of the individuals living there. Um, but other things that sort of uh, less concrete that we're looking to achieve is, is just um, getting our name out there, getting it recognized. Um, again, we, we, we are, you know, recently opened So um, the, the community is, is sort of certainly starting to to know we exist, but we're looking to form partnerships. Um, looking to to form relationships with other organizations and agencies and really try and work together um with other agencies and and can share learning opportunities um share um you know different topics together so that so that we really become a a um, a member of the community just as much as as the individuals that are at home become part of the Kenton community. Kenton itself is looking to establish itself as again a, as a sort of a star in the in the um in the community itself and again sort of become the, uh, you know when somebody thinks about Alzheimer's and dementia we want them to, to think of one Kenton as oh yeah let's, look at, let's go ask them um, we really um, are looking to develop those those uh, expertise
2: right now please tell us about the things you plan to achieve by January 2015 in innovations and research relating to Alzheimer's disease you've already spoken uh, very impressively about the way you're using technology What do you, when I hope to have the opportunity to interview you, by the way, in January 2015, so I'm going to test you in that way. What will you have achieved in your innovations relating to Alzheimer's disease, do you think?
3: So we're, we're looking to, again to, to to prove some of our hypotheses that um, these technologies and, and and again I I say, use the word technology sort of loosely because again some of them are are as simple as a as, a, as I said a smart hand sanitizer and um, some of them are a little more complex like like a robot but uh, you know we're looking to to show that from the the simple to the more complex that we really can uh, make uh, substantial improvements in in the lives of individuals and we'll be able to compare to see uh, you know um, the again the, the level of improvement. Um, and, and even if we aren't able to uh, make, um, you know, large improvements in the, in the individual's lives, but although we hope to, um, at the very least, we're looking to at least have that individual be able to, to live uh, longer and more uh, productive uh, with Alzheimer's and dementia. So we're, we're looking to, to, to be able to show that our care models, um, what we've put in place for them, really are is benefiting them on a, a long-term basis, and, and uh, we'll probably be. Um, looking at 2015, 2016, 2017, and beyond to really show that improvement, uh, whereas compared to sort of individuals who aren't at Kenton but who have sort of um, I was going to say similar um, care, but uh, quite quite honestly, uh, the sort of the, the levels of care at Kenton, um, um, I don't know that it's comparable to the type of care. I don't know that it's comparable to to, to sort of other um, currently existing models, but. Um, we are certainly looking to to show what what we can do with with uh, our, our sort of our focus on on dementia and alzheimer 's care
2: plainly you're going to be reporting um, an improved quality of life um, that however is competing with the tendency of alzheimer 's disease to deteriorate as time goes on. Would you go so far as to, this is a difficult question, but would you go so far as to say that you're hoping that um somehow the progression of Alzheimer's disease can be delayed through the kind of care you're providing
3: yeah. Isaac? yeah no absolutely and and and, uh, and that's sort of sort of what we're we're trying to achieve you know and even if the even if we can't delay the progression per se we're still looking at um, i guess delaying the impact of of that progression having on the individual um you know and and as far as what we're trying to achieve, again, you know, it's simple things. So, you know, uh, even even just the, the individual knowing that um, when they first moved into Kenton, um, you know, the level of anxiety from the time they moved in to to currently or to January 2015, knowing that they're they're laughing and smiling and and you know, happier, even even just achieving that. Is, is something large? Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a, a, a large, huge improvement, but any improvement, I think, uh, families and, and and the individuals themselves would would you know um, would would say that just that is an improvement enough. So, um, but certainly we are we are certainly looking to um, uh, you know to prove our model works. And and again, as I said, we've already seen it. And and you know, our model is not it's not complicated. It's not complex. It really is just looking at the individual. Um, providing individual care and, and just that individual care in itself is, is you know, goes a substantial way to, to helping the individual's life. And, uh, and, you know, as we said, hopefully, in fact, being able to delay uh, either the, the progression of the, the disease or, or its impact.
2: Right. Now, please tell us about the things you plan to achieve by January 2015 in the support you provide for family caregivers of the people you're caring for with Alzheimer's disease.
3: So one of the things that um, we are, are going to be putting together is a uh, basically not only the staff but the family members and, and the individuals who are working and and, uh, and living at Kenton. We're going to have a, a talent bank, as it were. So. For instance, each of the family members, um, we're going to use their expertise and their interests to help um, provide, you know, services and supports at, at Kenton. So, for instance, if somebody has a musical background, or maybe we'll have a couple people with musical backgrounds, we can put together, you know, a family a family band, for instance, that can come and play for the individuals at, at Kenton. Um, you know, I mentioned about sort of financial background. If somebody has a, a background and interest in, in finances, we'll get them involved in some of the, you know, the budget planning for for Kenton. Um, where you again are really looking to, to have that family network um, become a, a a Kenton network and, and uh, you know have family education sessions um, and and really again have that 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 family focus um, even even greater than it is uh, currently.
2: So family is a very important word in your. Development in your policies, in your purposes, in your treatments, and in the way in which you're caring for people, family it seems to me to come out as the, if you like, the overarching principle. Is that right?
3: Yeah, and and again, it comes back as as we we mentioned at the at the start of the program to the uh, the logo and the heart and the and the care and you know again, it's the heart and everything we do and and the family. You know, the family, are, 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 it's, it's their family. We, you know, we, we respect the family and, uh, you know, we want to provide that, again, that, that tender loving care, as it were, um, to the individuals at Kenton, just as their own family members would be providing it to them. So, yes, family is, is certainly the one of the main focuses of, of, of Kenton.
2: Very good. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this extremely interesting episode. And I'd like to say, first of all, Isaac, thank you. And also, to thank you for explaining why this approach is so important, focused as it is on things like life, family, quality of life, and while you provide medical care as required, your emphasis is on the things you've been talking about, family, working with people to evoke the memories of the past, uh, their past, their happy pasts, and their lives. And all of this seems to me to be a model that would would and should be copied uh, across uh, our healthcare systems in such a way that um, these years of decline, but pleasant decline or as pleasant as can be expected with Alzheimer's disease uh, are a result of caring that understands the type of thing that you've understood. So I want to say... Good wishes to you, and I hope I'll get the opportunity to grill you in 2015 about how it's going, because this has been, I think, a very instructive episode. I also want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be why family caregivers should care for their family's genetic inheritance data. So please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet, so we can talk to you then. Thanks.